Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 386 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not only asked you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. One thing that we've learned, and, and one thing about life that we need to remember, is everyone has different pathways to get to where they need to go. Everyone takes different pathways to get to their ultimate goals. Not, not every journey, not every destiny, not every destination has the same coordinates for everyone. Yeah, we both can work at a multi-million dollar company, but how we got there is drastically different and would be drastically different because we're two different people. Of course, we're going to start this episode with the Draymond Green situation. Uh, Draymond Green has been suspended indefinitely by the NBA for pretty much punching Yusuf Nurkic for the Phoenix Suns in the face. Been suspended indefinitely. Now, let me explain some things because we're going to break this whole thing down. We're not going to break down the incident, but what we're going to do is break this whole situation down. I started that episode with the destinations and the journeys because when we talk about the NBA, players are in the NBA for different reasons. Or let me not say that. Players got to the NBA different ways. The way that someone like a LeBron James got to the NBA is much different than how someone like Steph Curry got to the NBA. I know people say I use those I use Steph Curry, I use LeBron James a lot, but you have to think about it. Both of them have been pretty much the cornerstone of the NBA for damn near a decade at this point. And if not a decade, maybe even longer. And they both have dominated in different ways, in different facets, yet and still they are both cream of the crop when we talk about just how great the NBA is and how it's been. But both of them bring credence to my argument. The way to the way that you get to the NBA, the way that you get to whatever profession that you want is different for different people. And when you get there, you don't instantly change. You have to continue to do what you did to get you there let me let me explain it a little bit clear for people like I said Giannis Giannis Antetokounmpo plays the game and importance to the game is much different than someone like a PJ Tucker or someone like a Patrick Beverly. Steph Curry, his importance, his impact to the game 
is much different than someone like, let's say Desmond Bain or someone like James Jones. Let me bring it back directly to Draymond Green. People are asking what's going on with Draymond Green. Why is Draymond Green acting the way that he is acting? And I am not going to speak on anything that's happening off the court because I don't know. I don't know what Draymond Green is going through. If he even is going through something in his personal life, I don't know. And I think it would be ignorant for me to speak on a situation that I don't know. But I'm going to tell you what it looks like to me. What it looks like to me is Draymond Green has affected the game in such a way that it has made him a Hall of Famer. He's affected a game in such a way that it has had a direct correlation to step to not step to Golden State Warriors winning four championships. Draymond Green has affected the game in such a way that he is now widely considered one of the best defenders in this era. And the fireness, the fieriness, the the brashness, the the way that he approaches the game is different than a lot of other people. But he has to approach the game that way because he doesn't shoot like Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. He isn't physically dominant like a Nikola Jokic or a Joel Embiid or a Giannis Antetokounmpo. He doesn't have the handles like a Kyrie Irving or a Jamal Crawford. He has to affect the game the way that he affects it. Now, it sounds like I am justifying what Draymond Green has done. It sounds like I am a quote-unquote apologist for Draymond Green, but that's not the case at all. Do I think Draymond Green deserved to be suspended indefinitely? Yes. Do I think that Draymond Green has crossed the line on multiple occasions? Yes. But that right there is where this conversation is is starting and that right there honestly is where the conversation ends that this has been Draymond Green now no I'm not saying that he should be hitting people or he should be stomping on people or he should be choking people out I mean we know about uh this is his fourth suspension in the calendar in this calendar year and yes obviously that those instances have completely crossed the line and those instances are honestly one of the biggest reasons why Draymond Green has been suspended indefinitely 
because you can't keep show, displaying this type of uh, hmm, this type of actions and on the court, especially when you're trying to promote a game. You, it, it just can't happen. But again, Dray- this has been Draymond Green his entire career. Draymond Green has been fiery. He's affected the game this way. And while no, I am not championing what he did. And no, I am not saying that he should or should not be suspended. What I'm saying is when somebody habitually is a habitual line stepper, right? When somebody continuously toes that line of maybe going too far or just at that limit, we can't be shocked when he finally goes over the limit. Does this does this take away from the fact that Draymond Green is who Draymond Green is? No. But we have to understand that with Draymond Green being this way, stuff like this is going to happen. Now, again, I am not saying that he should not be reprimanded for it. I'm not saying he should not be suspended for it. But no one should be shocked. No one should be ringing the alarm saying Draymond Green is sick. Draymond Green is not good for basketball. This is what got Draymond Green here. This type of fieriness has got Draymond Green four championships. Because don't get me wrong, I understand that you're playing with Steph, Clay, you played with KD, but Draymond Green was an equal important part to this whole Golden State dynasty that was. But let me reiterate before I go on. That while, yes, there should be no one that is shocked that this has happened with Draymond Green. That doesn't ultimately mean that what he did was justified. And that doesn't ultimately mean he shouldn't have been suspended. I think his suspension, I know indefinitely sounds extremely harsh. Because indefinitely doesn't have a ceiling. And it also doesn't have a floor. That's kind of where I think they messed up, which is the NBA, in announcing this. It's like, what does that mean? We've heard Kyrie Irving got suspended indefinitely. And I think he was out for, what, seven games? Maybe ten games? I do know this. His suspension has to be longer than five games because the whole Rudy Gobert choke, which happened just last month, was he was suspended five games. So if you're going to suspend him five games for that and then slap on an indefinite suspension, it has to be longer than five games. I hear people saying that he should get 20 to 25 games. I don't I don't I don't agree with that. I think that. If you get 10 games, if you get 15 games, I get it. Trust me, I get it, especially when you're a repeat offender. But I do know that it has to be longer than five games. 
And I think, again, that is where the league kind of messed up, at least not having, you could say, suspended indefinitely with a minimum of X games. Because now you're just leaving a big, uh, what's the word, monster ball out there saying, all right, so how long is this suspension? I know that Draymond Green has to work with the league as far as counseling and and programs and stuff that he has to do before he gets back on the on the floor, which I, I understand completely. I mean, when you see acts like this, people are automatically going to go to anger management. People are automatically going to go to there's something going on at home. Again, I am not going to address or I'm not going to put out there that there's something going on at home with Draymond Green because I literally do not know. And I think it would be disingenuous of me to say yeah, he has to be going with something I, I don't know but I do think that we shouldn't be shocked as fans we shouldn't be shocked uh as onlookers about this whole Draymond Green situation because he has done this time and time again and when you literally cost your team an NBA championship with your actions. And it seems like nothing has changed. At some point, we have to accept what it is. I think the, the one of the worst parts about this whole situation is the whole legacy talk. I think I heard Stephen A. and other people talk about it and shouts out to them. Legacy is important in sports. I think that's where where people kind of get people throw the word legacy around and people act like it's not important. It is. Legacy is important, especially when you're done playing the game that you love. What legacy do you hold? Legacy takes you a lot of places outside of your initial sport. For instance, of course, you have to work in stuff. And of course, you have to, you know, you have to do other things outside of your sport when it's done. But do you think Shannon Sharp would be where he is if he had a bad legacy in the league? I'm not taking away from how great he is as a media personality at this point. But if Shannon Sharp was just a ter had a terrible legacy, being a terrible teammate, being a terrible, uh, dirty player. Do you think that the doors that were open for Shannon Sharp would be open for him? Do you think that the doors would be open for, let's say, huh, let's say uh, Rex Ryan. People can feel how they feel about Rex Ryan, but... Do you think that if he was hated, do you think that if he was a, a terrible coach, he would have the doors open for him after his coaching career? Legacy matters. That's one of the things that I was talking about with Dwight Howard. I think Dwight Howard's legacy is not the best because of his personality and how he went about doing things. And a lot of that bled into his game. And his game was one way. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the best centers we've seen. But 
when your legacy isn't the strongest, especially while you're playing, and then the injuries start to happen, and then, you know, you can't, you can't be the Superman that you were, and now you have to lean on relationships, you have to lean on legacy, and then it's, it's as shaky as it is. Now you're looking, Dwight Howard probably should still be in the league, but there's a reason why he's not. Now, I'm not saying that Draymond Green is on the extreme, right? But what I'm saying is legacy does matter. And when we talk about Draymond Green, what's unfortunate about it is all this extra is getting is starting to bleed into his legacy. Because when we think about Draymond Green, a lot of people don't think of the fact that he's one of the greatest defenders the league has ever seen. He's one of the smartest basketball players the league has ever seen. He's 9.5 times out of 10 a first ballot Hall of Famer because of what he did on the court. There's people aren't talking about when they talk about his legacy, people don't talk about how he was a very rare breed of player that can guard every position effectively. And he was a very important piece to a dynasty. People, when we talk about Draymond Green's legacy at this point, those are afternotes. Now you talk about, well, he's had this incident and 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 this incident. incident. That's tough to overcome. Tough. But this is the bed that Draymond Green has laid in. And honestly, it's it's almost naive to think that someone like this is going to change because this is the, the this is the type of personality that has got him to where he is now. And I'm not talking about the whole suspension thing. I'm talking about to the league, to you know, from Michigan State to the league, to, you know, he lost weight, to a four-time NBA champion. It's tough. It's tough, and it's damn near impossible to turn off or to pivot from what got you to where you are when what got you to where you are has got you uber success in your craft. But what does this mean? Speaking in the present day, what does this mean for the Golden State Warriors and what does this mean for Draymond Green, seeing as though he's going to be suspended indefinitely or he is suspended currently indefinitely? I talked about this last episode, I believe. Yes, I did. I talked about this last episode. Sometimes when you're not ready for change, or when you're not ready to accept what is and what is is not what it's been, sometimes you try to continue to maneuver how you've been maneuvering, but it's not warranting the same results. And in that, it breeds frustration. It breeds 
stuckness. It just breeds negativity. Golden State currently is under 500. They just lost to the Suns. And the Clippers, actually. Golden State. I understand that people are trying to hold on to this dynasty. And in in one hand, I, I get it, and I might do this, I might do the same thing. But on the other hand, I understand what I'm seeing. And it's not just out of Golden State, it is the landscape of the league. I understand you still have a top, arguably five player in the league in Steph Curry, and st- and he's still playing like that. Yeah, he's had a couple of shaky games, but that's not because he can't ball out. That's because he has to carry more of a load now. Not just because Draymond Green is is suspended, but because the team around him is not playing up to their capabilities, or are they? And when I say are they, I look at two players that have been underachieving. Now, I know that this is kind of a tough thing to prove, seeing as though Klay Thompson did just have a 30-point game in his first 30-point game of the season against the Clippers. But the two players I'm looking at right now, and the two players that I'm looking at is the main reason why I think this dynasty is over is Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. We talk about the components of a dynasty all the time, so I'm not going to rehash that. But one component is you need solid, a a solid supporting cast. And I don't just mean you know, a middle-of-the-pack supporting cast. You need a above and beyond supporting cast. And in 2000, was it 22 or 2000? Yeah, 2022, when Golden State won the championship, their two, their three best players in that championship run was Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, and Klay Thompson. Well, as we look today, Steph Curry is still playing at that level. But Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, at least this point of the season, is not. To the point where Andrew Wiggins just got benched for, I think, Jonathan Kaminga. But when you look at those two, it's, it's very, I told you, and it's proof. When you have two major lower body injuries, it's going to affect something. And I'm and I understand that we looked at that high and we looked at, you know, Clay Thompson win the championship and saying, Oh, Clay Thompson hasn't missed a beat. Well, then you look at the season after and you look at the season after. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that Clay Thompson is washed. I don't think that Clay Thompson is done. But I do think that you're going this is the Clay Thompson that we're going to get. Because not only are those injuries catching up to him, but this entire Golden State run, him, uh, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins to a certain extent now, Draymond Green, Kavon Looney, they have played so many minutes. 
in so many games. You realize for a lot of teams, the season ends. If you don't make the playoffs, obviously, the season ends when it ends. It ends at 82. Well, if you're making a playoff run, you still have to win, not just play. You still have to win 16 more games. So imagine... Some of those series went seven games. Some of those series went four. Some of those series had had overtimes and double overtimes. Imagine, let's see. I'm not about to do the math, but imagine having series after series after series, more games than other teams. It catches up to, especially when you have injuries or you've had a history of lower body injuries that has taken you out for years. So it's, and I kind of was like this too. So I'm not bashing anyone. I'm not saying that, you know, y'all I'm right and y'all are wrong. I thought, okay, well, Clay Thompson, even though he came back, he he wanted that he helped them win a championship. But, and I thought to myself, well, okay, if, if Clay Thompson looks like this, we shouldn't have to worry about, you know, no injury bug well i was wrong <laughs> and not just not the injury bug like the 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 duration of the season and the duration of the games and the injuries and just this the sheer amount of games that's on those legs and on the body i didn't think it was going to come back and affect them well it has and that's something that us as fans and clay thompson honestly himself has to accept and the Golden State Warriors have to accept. You can't use Klay Thompson the same way that you've used him for his entire career because he just can't be that anymore. Klay Thompson used to be one of the best two-way score, two-way players in the world. He used to, you know, being 6'7", he used to be able to guard people one through four, sometimes the five, because he's a lanky two or six seven, and he can still give you 50, 60-point games. That Clay Thompson is done for. And that's not a bad thing. That's just life. Now you have to accept what is. I think the biggest and the the, the more alarming one is Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins was the clear-cut second-best player in that NBA Finals run. He was, I mean, there was series where he had to guard what Luka Doncic in the NBA Finals, he had to guard Jason, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And he was the second best player. Well, I, again, and I'm not going to speak on what happened off the court because I don't know. But last year he missed a good chunk of the season due to personal reasons. And it seems like he has not been right since. He has not been, he's been such a shell of himself. And when I say of himself, he has been such a shell of that player that he that he was for that NBA Finals run. Because trust and believe, if Klay Thompson is how, or if Klay Thompson still is who he has been recently, but Andrew Wiggins was playing like that, pl- playing like the Andrew Wiggins that we saw in the NBA Finals, Golden State would be in a much better place than it is right now. But Golden State is Golden State is pretty much 
right now in in such a weird spot because one thing that I do know and one thing that we can look in in history tells it all dynasties do not end pretty if you don't believe me look at the Celtics dynasty the Celtics dynasty they were winning all these chips and then there was such a long break I think the I, I know they won in like the 80s and then the next championship they won was I think 2008 or nine. The the Patriots dynasty. We look at look at what it's looked like since <laughs> Tom Brady's there. And I'm not just saying that the dynasty was on Tom Brady, but look what the Patriots have looked like. Bill Belichick probably about to be out of there. Like, and there's even smaller dynasties like. The Yankees. That's a that's a great one right there. The Yankees. So dynasties never really in pretty. But it, the Golden State Warriors is such in a, is in such a weird place because Steph Curry is still playing like a top tier player, and you want to maximize these Steph Curry years because. You know, as good as Steph Curry is, he can win you a championship or at least get you as close as possible. Now, yes, he obviously needs help, but Steph Curry is still a once in a generation type player when we talk about his shooting ability, his just just everything he brings to the game. So you want to maximize that, but you also understand that the pieces that you have in place are not living up to what they need or are not performing the way they need to to for a championship level especially when you see the landscape of the league and how the 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 room for error is is much lower than it's ever been when you have teams like Phoenix the Clippers now uh now that they got their act together with James Harden uh, the Nuggets the Kings, like the Timberwolves, that's the number one team in the West right now. You ain't got no room for. And it brings me back to Draymond Green. I say all that. And all that is pretty much me saying that the room for error is much smaller, especially seeing as that the Golden State Warriors are under, I think they're four games under 500 right now, four or five games. That margin for error has shrunk considerably. And not having their emotional leader, not having their best defender, their smartest defender, their, one of their smartest players, not having him for a good amount of time and having, you know, Chris Paul pretty much a shell of himself when we talk about scoring the ball. What do you think is going to happen with Golden State? That's already struggling with Draymond Green at times. Now, yes, I will say they have had probably the hardest schedule to start the season, but still. That indefinitely, we do not know how long that's going to be. I'm not going to just say the dynasty is completely over. 
Because I think that that would be wrong. Actually, you know what? No. I do think the dynasty is over. Do I think that Golden State can still win a championship? Maybe this year, next year, or possibly. But when we think about dynasty, we think about dominance. We think about always being there. We think about a team that you can never count out. Well, at least this year, I don't I don't foresee a path that Golden State can win a championship. And a lot of that is due to how they started this season, how good the West is, and this whole Draymond Green situation. And for the people, because I know a lot of people have said, but what about Steph? Steph's the leader. Why Why hasn't Steph said anything? I look at it like this. What what do you think is more important right now? Steph telling us something or Steph telling Draymond something? I know that the, the conversation, the argument is, well, if this was LeBron, it's not. And I think a lot of the times what people get confused and what people forget is Steph and LeBron carry themselves much differently. Quiet as it's kept, this is, this is, Steph has never really been in the limelight outside these last few years. And with him being in the limelight these last few years, it's been mostly to promote, you know, the Curry brand, whether that's the Curry shoe, whether that's, you know, signing, signing athletes. I know he signed Asia Fudd that plays for the Connecticut, uh, Huskies. I know he signed um, Darren Fox to Curry Brand. So outside of that, Curry hasn't really been in the limelight. Curry is a family man through and through. Again, I don't know what he does on his personal life because he doesn't really share his personal life outside of, of course, pictures of his wife and kids and stuff like that. But Curry has never been the one to be the face of or step. <laughs> have a have a public comment about something all the time. LeBron James has been. Now that doesn't I'm not saying one approach is better than the other. That's just how they both approach things. But I almost bet. I can probably bet. I don't know obviously, but I can almost bet my life that Steph Curry and Draymond Green has had a one-on-one conversation about all this and how this not only affects Draymond Green, but it affects the totality of the season and the totality of this team. Because trust and believe, man, I don't care what you say. This team needs Draymond Green to win a championship. They need it. They need it for the defense. They need it for the leadership. They they need it. And that doesn't take away from the greatness of Steph, or Clay, or 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 Andrew Wiggins, or or Steve Kerr, but all of them approach the game differently, and the way that Draymond Green approaches the game is extremely beneficial for Golden State. So as we sit here today, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how long Draymond Green is going to be out. I think that, especially how they started the season, how the 
the team is playing, unless there's a drastic turnaround, which I kind of don't feel there will be, I think that this year you can kind of wrap it up as far as uh, Golden State winning a championship. I mean, right now I think they sit 11th or 12th in the NBA, uh, in the West, so who knows? And there's only been one team that has ever made it from the play-in to the NBA Finals, and that was the Miami Heat, and we saw how that went. Uh, but this, I think that this Draymond Green thing signifies the official end of the dynasty. That doesn't mean that Golden State can't win a championship next year, this year, or, or years to come. But when we, I think that this is, I think it's done for us considering them as a quote unquote dynasty. And this Draymond Green thing is a stamp to that, in my opinion. It's the stamp of approval. Like, yep, dynasty over, in my opinion. But then again, to highlight my first point, for people that are saying Draymond Green is bad for the sport, Draymond Green uh, is needs to change his game, how do you expect that when... The things that Draymond Green has been suspended for, now, yes, he obviously isn't always choking people or stomping on people or, or punching people, but that fieriness, that that habitual line-stepping has got him where he is. And where he is, whether you want to admit it or not, has been quite successful. We'll see. Let's move on to Brandon Staley. And the Los Angeles Chargers. So, people don't just get fired off of one game. I know it may seem like it sometimes, but people don't just get fired off of one game. You know what I look at it as? I look at firings as... If you get fired from something, now, unless it's something just extremely egregious or extremely against the law or something, but usually to get fired, your employer or something like that, they build up a case to fire you. And they're waiting for that one thing. They're waiting for that cherry on top. They have the the milkshake ready. They have the whipped cream ready. The only thing they're waiting on is that cherry on top. And once they get that cherry on top, it is curtains. People just don't wake again, unless you do something just completely egregious or just completely against the law or something. You just don't, you're not just the A1 employee and then the next day you're fired. Now, laid off is different, but fired, if you're an A1 employee, you're not just going to get fired. Again, unless you do something just completely egregious or against the law. Brandon Staley, the Raiders beating the Chargers 63 to 21 wasn't the start and finish of Brandon Staley's firing, what it was was the cherry on top. We've talked about this for weeks now. 
that Brandon Staley should not even weeks. I'm sorry. Let me, let me backtrack. We've talked about this for years now that Brandon Staley sh- should not be the head coach for this Chargers team. We talk about the fact. Let me let me let's let's kind of let's kind of shelf that for a second. Let me tell you how you know Brandon Staley wasn't that good of a coach. Let's let's even take all take out the the Raiders beating them by 21 or 22 and almost putting 70 on the board. The marking of a good or bad coach is how, what do you get out of your players? Do you get the best out of your players or does, does your players seem to always be a step behind what they should be? Usually that's coaching. For instance, we know that Eric Spolstra is a good coach. Why do we know that? Because any single time, every single time a player goes to the Miami Heat, you they usually get the best out of that player. If you don't agree with me, look at Kyle Lowry and his whole weight situation. Look at J- Jimmy Butler. Look look at Bam Adebayo. Look at uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Euro. You can tell that hell. Le- Le- some people argue that the Le- the best LeBron James has ever been is when he was for the Miami when he was on the Miami Heat. Usually a a good coach, a great coach, gets the best out of their players. Well, when you look at Brandon Staley in this L.A. Chargers team, what what has been the gripe? What has been the, the headlining issue every season with this team? They underachieve. Hell, nobody questions the talent of Justin Herbert. Nobody questions the talent of Cleo Mack. Nobody questions the talent of Keenan Allen. Nobody questions the talent of Austin Eckler. Nobody questions the talent of Derwin James. Nobody questions the talent of Joey Bosa. Nobody questions the talent of Michael or Mike Williams. But even with all that, the Chargers still continue to underachieve. Now you can say it's injuries, but a lot of even when they play, they they lose games that they damn sure should be winning. So, on top of that, you. We can talk about the poor clock management. The same thing that plagued that's plagued Mike uh, McCarthy for a lot of his career. You can talk about some of the press conferences where they're asking simple questions, but you don't have simple answers. The Chargers and Brandon Staley have been building that milkshake, that firing milkshake. For years now. And. It's not just the fact that. The Raiders beat them as bad as they did. It's the fact of. 
how lifeless the team looked. That was the cherry on top. When you have what what some people are calling a generational type player in Justin Herbert, when you have a clear-cut top 10 wide receiver in Keenan Allen, when at least going into the season you had a top 10 wide receiver in Austin Eckler, when you had one of the best defensive players by name in Khalil Mack and Derwin James and Joey Bosa went healthy. And what do you have to show for it? Nothing. And you know it's bad when you get fired, and I don't think there's one person, because there's usually... One or two people that say, oh, maybe it should have been this. Like, for instance, Frank Wright getting fired. There was a lot of people, including myself, that said, you can feel how you feel about Frank Wright. And you can feel that he deserved to be fired or not. But the issues are still prevalent. And that is the team that has been built, not solely because of and not solely by Frank Wright is not adequate or adequable or not good enough to produce wins. And a lot of that is not Frank Wright's fault. Well, no one is saying that for Brandon Staley. I don't know one person that can justify Brandon Staley keeping his job. And, it, and and I'm not saying champion Super Bowls. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you have to win Super Bowls to justify your job. But what I'm saying is there has to be something that justifies your job. And we have not seen that for years now with Brandon Staley. I think we... We conflated, and I think I conflated a little bit, so I'm going to admit I did it too. I think we conflated the greatness of Justin Herbert with Brandon Staley. Instead of looking at it as the greatness of Justin Herbert is blanketing a lot of issues that Brandon Staley brings to the table, I was saying, well, you look at, Justin Herbert, and while he has a lot of individual success as far as numbers and and accolades to a certain extent, that had to be because of the Brandon Staley pairing, but it's not. I even came on here and I was critical about Justin Herbert getting the money that he got because it's like, what have you, outside of the personal accolades and the numbers... What have you done to get that contract? Well, he's, I was wrong. I appreciate everyone that bashed me in the comments. I was damn wrong. Justin Herbert has done a lot to, and we saw that Thursday night football. Justin Herbert does a lot to mask the issues. 
that Brandon Staley brings to a or Brandon Staley's coaching brings to a team. I'm not saying that Brandon Staley is bad for football. But the same thing that I said about Nathaniel Hackett, I will say about Brandon Staley. There are some people that have proven to be a good coordinator. And there are people that are proven to be a good coach. Sometimes both of those are do cannot coexist. Now, I will say, I don't even think Brandon Staley has proven to be a good coordinator. Which does bring the point and bring up the question, how the hell did you get to become a head coach? I'm not going to go down that road, but this is yet another year where we look up and the Chargers have drastically underachieved. The Chargers are not even in the are not even in the playoff discussion and they just lost to the Raiders that has Aiden O'Connell as their starting quarterback that has Antonio Pierce who has done a fantastic job by the way. Shouts out to him, but it has Antonio Pierce who went into the season not not expecting to be a head coach as the head coach you lost to that team 63 to 21 and honestly the score was much much further than it looks like it was much worse than just a 22 40 42 what 42 point victory much worse So, yeah. It sucks for Brandon Staley, I guess. And it also sucks for, uh, like, this also is a, is a highlight of what's wrong or the issues that you can, you can run into in sports as players. Because you could talk about you know, why has this player not done this? Or why has why is it that we look up and X player never has quote unquote won anything major? Well look at look at look at what has been surrounded. Cause I think if we if we if Justin Herbert goes without winning a Super Bowl, without even competing for a Super Bowl that's going to be such a blemish on his on his coat, you know. But a lot of people aren't going to look at the fact of look at the coaching staff. I mean, they fired the GM as well. So it's not just Brandon. They fired the GM as well. The person that builds the team. They both were out of here in one fell swoop again. It goes back. If you're a good employee, one bad incident, unless it's something egregious or against the law, isn't going to get you out of here. They've been building this house. They've been building this firing house for Brandon Staley and for the GM. And that 42 point loss was the was the was the the, the nail on that door. Oh, man. It's going to suck because it's like you're going to look at Justin Herbert 
at the end of his career and be like, he underachieved. And I was even looking at Justin Herbert and saying that he underachieved. And yeah, there are situations, there are moments when in, in, in clutch situations, he can be better in instances, but like, what do you expect? When you're dealing with incompetency above you. That's one thing that's never really talked about in the workflow, not just football. What happens when your management is incompetent? Well, there's people under the management and, the, and, and that just completely affects everything. It affects workflow. It affects, you know, your feeling towards the job. It affects a lot of things. So I hope that they finally get the right person to coach Justin Herbert and this Chargers team because with the names that are still on this team, they should be and they could be much better than they have been. We'll just have to see, I guess, you know. So we'll see. But with week 15 now upon us, seeing as though Thursday night football is over, we I will give my uh, my predictions for week 15. Um, week, week 15 is a big year or big year. Jesus Christ. Come on, let's get it together, Jay. <laughs> week 15 is a big year week for the NFL you have teams again there's about six or seven teams I think that is seven and six still trying to get into the playoffs and there are a couple matchups with top teams that you're really going to see what both teams are made of you know what I mean like we call them marquee games we call them calendar games those games where okay this this is a game that we have to get up for. This is a game that we're ready for. So week 15 is going to be a big week for the NFL. And let's start with the Vikings at Bengals. Two teams that are seven and six. And, you know, again, and I, it's funny, man. <laughs> I titled last week's ep- or last or Wednesday's episode a a boat always finds his water that is most definite or always finds his level that is most definitely not the same <laughs> but I was always I was already wrong in it so I just I just I just swam in the wrong I think it's a water always find this level shouts out to uh, my girl Brittany she kind of uh, steered me in the right direction on that one but uh yeah no I was completely wrong it is a water always finds its level so shouts out to me I was I was so wrong I was just like hey let's just roll with it you know what I mean but back to what I was saying people are confused that Joshua Dobbs is now a third string quarterback I don't know why bro he's been on like nine teams mind you name me the great player the 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 game changing player. We'll talk about that in a second. Name me the player that you know has hopped around from team to team to team. You know why you know a great player has never really hopped around from team to team to team outside of like James Harden and Kyrie Irving. And those, of course, are outliers. Because if you're so great, a team doesn't want to let you go. <laughs> like Joshua Dobbs, and I respect his story. Again, it goes back to the Draymond Green thing. Every journey to get to the same destination is different. 
But Joshua Dobbs is not that good, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. And, of course, it's it's to to a smaller extent, but it's kind of like the Ryan Fitzpatrick syndrome. You come in, you are incredible the first few games, and then you just fall off a cliff. That's just how it is. But Joshua Dobbs is now third string quarterback and you're playing against the Bengals. Both teams, again, are seven and six. I think because of the coach, uh, I say this, I don't know if Jake Browning is going to be playing because I know he did get hurt uh, last game, but I do think that he probably will play. I trust the Bengals and their quarterback position and what they have going on. I trust them over whatever the hell is going on with this quarterback position in this offense for the Vikings. I know they're running back, the Vikings running back. He's out. I just I just like the Bengals. The Bengals are healthier, and their quarterback position is better than whatever the hell is going on with the Vikings. So I have the Bengals winning that game. Steelers at Colts. Let me let me let me let me address something real quick. Uh Big Ben had a lot to say about the culture of the Steelers and how the way that the Steelers are run now and the way that the Steelers are, the culture is dying. Let me let me let me address that. Um, That's not true. And I say that's not true because even with Big Ben, what was the culture of the Steelers? The culture was a smash mouth defense and you have some really talented offensive players, but it was a defense first team. It has always been that with Mike Tomlin as the head coach because Mike Tomlin is a defensive first coach. Always been that way. Now, you can look at some of the success and you say, well, we had Big Ben, you had Antonio Brown, you had Le'Veon Bell, and you had, you know, these play Montavious Bennett, like, but at the end of the day, the calling card for the, for the um, Steelers has been their defense. Well, as you look today, what is the calling card for the Steelers? Their defense. Because they're Mike or they're head coached by Mike Tomlin and he is a defensive type coach. Now, yes, I do think that the offense has plummeted, but what do you expect? I mean, Kenny Pickett is not Big Ben. <laughs> George Pickens, as good as he can be, he is not Antonio Brown. Najee Harris, as good as he can be, he is not Le'Veon Bell. And mind you, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell did not win a Super Bowl with, with the Steelers. I know Le'Veon Bell, I believe, won one as like a player that's on the team, you know, for the for the charts uh, for his fourth team, I think. So I wouldn't say that the culture is this team is ruining the culture the culture has been the same I think that kind of is the issue if you want to address the issue I think the issue is there hasn't been an an evolution there hasn't been a change in the Steelers culture 
Now, I'm not putting that on Mike Tomlin, but that is just what it is. This team has pretty much been the same for a while now. And the philosophy has been the same, but the problem is, and I'm not saying this is Mike or Mike Tomlin should get fired or anything, but Mike Tomlin has always been a defensive first coach. Well, if you look at recent history, when's the last time a defensive first coach won a Super Bowl? I can tell you. Bill Belichick. When they had Tom Brady. So, like, I don't know what you expect. You know what I mean? But getting back to this game, the Steelers at Colts. Hmm. I don't know what's going on with. I don't know if Kenny Pickett's going to start. I don't know if Mitch Trubisky's going to start. But while, yes, the Steelers offense has been better, um, it isn't still up to par. And I know that T.J. Watt is coming back, but I don't know if he'll be 100%. So I'm going to pick the Colts. The Colts are at, are at home as well. But the Steelers just lost to what the – they just lost to two terrible teams. So – I have the Colts winning. Broncos at Lions. This is a huge game for both teams. I know that the records don't show it, but the Broncos are are still kind of hot. I think they've won five of the last six or six of the last seven, something like that. And the Lions are kind of on a free fall right now, even though they, they're nine and four. They need to get it together. This can be a, all right, let's get this together type team type game for the Lions and this is a we need this game uh for the Broncos now I'm going to pick the Lions because I think the Lions are a better team but as we sit here right now Russell Wilson has been playing better than Jared Goff and this Broncos team in general has been playing better than the Lions for the in recent weeks weeks but I do think that the Lions are a better team and I'm and the Lions are at home. I am going to pick the Lions. Uh, you have the Falcons at Panthers. At this point, the Panthers, <laughs> they're just an easy win. They're j I could be wrong, but because again, the, the NFC South is 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 porous. But I'm gonna go with the Falcons. It doesn't matter how bad um Desmond Ritter could or could not play it doesn't matter if they give the ball to Bijan Robinson or not I think that the Falcons are going to win the game because the Panthers just there's just a lot wrong with the Panthers right now so I have the Falcons Bears at Browns I I'm going to go with the Browns because I don't think that Joe Flacco is going to be as good as his, as he was last week but I do think that Joe Flacco is a Let's say a, uh, uh, he's a stabler. He's able to keep this team afloat because the defense is still the defense. I think that Joe Flacco does more good than bad. Not saying, again, he, I don't think he's going to be as good as he was last week, but I have the Browns winning this game because I just think Joe Flacco can be is, is still a positive for this team. Buccaneers at Green Bay. I have Green I actually have Green Bay winning this. I, I just think the Green Bay, even though they did lose. No, they won. No, they lost. They lost. Did Green Bay win? No, they lost. Um, I'm going to go with Green Bay. I just think that they're a better team than the Bucks right now. And even though they did lose last week, I think that. Oh, man. I'm not really. 
I'm, I don't have faith in or conviction in my pick. I'm just going to go with the uh, Packers. Jets at Dolphins. Dolphins, even though the Dolphins did just lose uh, to a team, they sh- to the Titans, I think the Dolphins are going to beat the Jets pretty handily. Even if Tyreek Hill does or does not play, I think that the Dolphins have made it a point to beat up on lesser teams. I think the Jets are is a lesser team. So I have the Dolphins winning that. Giants at Saints. I know that the Tommy DeVito story has been great. Uh, they did just beat the Packers. And I and you really don't know what's going on with the Saints, man. It's, yeah, but I'm going to pick the Saints. I think the Saints are just a better, they should be a better team. I don't know if that's going to shine or not, but I have the Saints winning. Uh, Texans at Titans. I got the Titans because it looks like C.J. Stroud ain't playing. He's still in the concussion protocol, and I'm not saying I trust Will Levis because I most definitely don't, but I do like what I saw out of Will Levis and this offense in the comeback win against the Dolphins. So I'm going to – because C.J. Stroud's not there, I'm going to pick the Titans. Chiefs at Patriots. There's been a lot of heat coming the Chiefs' way. Hell, I sent some heat the Chiefs' way because the realization is at this point they have not played like a top-tier team should be playing. And they, or let me not say that because the record definitely says they have, but they have not been playing the way that you would expect the Chiefs to play like. And, yeah. Uh, but they're going against the Patriots, and it's the Patriots. I have the Chiefs winning that game. It's probably going to be closer than it should be, but actually, you know what? No, I think the Patri- I think the Chiefs are going to destroy because it's been a long week for the Patriots as well. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, this is the first time in his career that he is kind of looked at in the negative, you know, this entire week with his comments with the refs and everything. I think the Chiefs are going to destroy the Patriots, actually. 49ers at Cardinals. The 49ers are going to destroy the Cardinals. Again, the 49ers are on this like path that they've been destroying damn near everybody that they play, uh, trying to show that they are one of, if not the best team, not just in the NFC, but in the, in the league. I have the 49ers beating the Cardinals. Commanders at Rams. Um, the, well, the Rams have been playing their best football, even though they did lose to the Ravens in spectacular fashion last week. The Rams have been playing their best football of the season, and the Commanders are not. So I have, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I think that the Rams are going to beat the Commanders. I just don't think defensively the Commanders can keep up with how good Matthew Stafford in this offense has been playing. So I have the Rams. Cowboys at Bills. This is a huge game for the Bills more than the Cowboys. I think that we know at this point how good the Cowboys are and how good the Cowboys can be. And I think at this point, the Cowboys have, with their win against the Eagles, we know that they can be one of those top-tier teams. So I don't think the question is surrounding the Cowboys. I think the question is surrounding the Bills. And if the Bills can fight their way to be in the playoff and with Josh Allen is he still considered one of those top tier quarterbacks so I think that mm, mm, this is this is a big I think that this uh, I'm gonna pick the Cowboys though man I think the Cowboys are just a better team than the Bills 
Uh, I think that Josh Allen is overall better than Dak Prescott, even though Dak Prescott has been playing better than him this season. Um, but I, I like the Bills in this one. I mean, no, I'm sorry. I like the Cowboys in this one. I think the Cowboys is a better team, especially when you look at their defense. And, you know, Michael Parsons has been great. And Deron Bland has been great. And Stephon Gilmore has been great. Uh, I have the Cowboys. The sneaky biggest game of the week, in my opinion, is Sunday night football, Ravens at Jaguars. You have... A, a, a Jaguars team that while they haven't put they haven't put in their best football, this Jaguars team is still an has the ability to be an incredible team and still could be a top tier team in the league. And you're going against the top tier team in the AFC right now in the Ravens. I think that the Ravens. And I talked about this in last episode. The Ravens can beat you a multitude of ways. And I think that this is a huge test for both teams because this the Jaguars is the type of team that you could possibly see in the playoffs. Kind of like it was, you know, the Ravens, again, they're, they're 10 and 3. And in all of those three games that they lost, they should have won. So they honestly could be 13 and 0 if they didn't squander some games. So. I'm going to pick the Ravens. I think the Ravens have proven that they can beat you a lot of ways. And I don't know if last week, you know, the the Jaguars losing to the Browns was more about, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence's ankle and, and if, you know, but we'll see. And I, I have the Ravens. I think the Ravens defense, again, I will highlight the fact that Jadavion Clowney has been playing some of the best football he's played in his career with the Ravens, Roquan Smith has been great. Um, Marlon Humphreys, he has his moments, but he's been good. Kyle Hamilton has been great too. This defense has is has been great. So I just I think the Ravens are going to win. And the Eagles at Seahawks for Monday Night Football. I think the stat going out right now is the Eagles are are on like a fifteen. <laughs> I think it's like fifteen or something. The Eagles on like a fifteen game losing streak to the Seahawks. It's tough. And I think that losing streak is going to come to an end on Monday Night Football. The Eagles, they have not been good. Their defense has been terrible, but but they're still 10 and 3. And that's not that's something that you can't take away from them. And I think that they've been playing better, at least offensively, and in recent weeks than the Seahawks. The Seahawks have kind of taken a nosedive from where they were to where they are now in the beginning, you know. So I have the Eagles winning. Uh, those are my predictions for week 15. Let me know what you guys think. Leave in the comments. Tell me where you think I'm right. Tell me where you think I'm wrong. We'll discuss it. And for the unpopular topic of the day. People know my feelings towards Cam Newton. And people know that I have, I guess you can say for lack of a better term, an infinity for what Cam Newton was as a football player. And I respect what Cam Newton was as a football player. I respect the fact that Cam Newton played the game to a level that a lot of people 
cannot play to and have never played to. And if there's anybody that I'm going to listen to when discussing discussing NFL and discussing how they view plays and how they view players is Cam Newton because we have seen him play at the highest of heights. I mean, again, he's been a, he's been an MVP. He's been to the Super Bowl. And of course, we've seen him at the lowest of lows. So we've seen every bit of Cam of of football in one player. And that's Cam Newton. Again, he's won a Heisman. He has been benched before he has won a national championship. He had to ride the bench in Florida with like so he has done everything. There is to be done outside of, of course, win a Super Bowl in the NFL. Um, and I know I understand today is a new age. And today, more than ever, athletes, former athletes, current athletes, are building platforms for themselves. Are building platforms that they can express themselves, whether that's podcasting, whether that's YouTube channels, whether that's uh, sports analysts. You see a lot of former athletes going and being sports analysts on networks. They're building spaces for them to give their opinions more than ever. And I think the unpopular topic of the day is we have to re- understand and we have to respect that. And what, what I think we have to understand and respect is I don't think there's anybody that is going out saying that my opinion about something is law or my opinion about something is 100% correct. It's my opinion. It's their opinion. It's people's opinion. This all obviously stemmed from a video that Cam Newton put out talking about the difference between a game changer and a game manager. And you've had people on ESPN. I'm not going to say any names. You've had people on other other uh, Fox. You had people on other networks. You had people on their own podcast. You've had me now talk about it. And I think what people are getting I think what's being lost in all this is Cam Newton did what we all do and that's give his opinion whether he is right or whether he is wrong whether you feel he's right whether you feel he's wrong it is his opinion and it is on his platform so he is able to give his opinion whether you agree with it or not what I don't like is When you don't, when people don't agree with someone's opinion, they just don't live with the disagreement. They just don't live with the fact that, okay, well, I disagree, but I'm going to keep moving. I feel like they, some people go out of their way to bash that person or go out of their way to discredit that person because they don't agree with their opinion. It's not just with Cam Newton. You see that all the time. You see that on my podcast. There's a lot of times people has said vile things to me, has said crazy things to me in my comments about videos or about topics that they don't agree with my opinion. And while 
It is what it is. Every, I put my opinions to the world, which means that I should be open to criticism. I should be open to to disagreement. I should be open to agreement. So that's cool. But when people go out of their way to disrespect me or disrespect somebody because they don't agree with their opinion. Then at that point, that's where the issue lies. And I think that is kind of what we saw with Cam Newton. Cam Newton voiced his opinion, an opinion, might I add you, that he has the ability to speak about because he lived it. People disagreed with his opinion. And instead of living in the disagreement or saying, well, I disagree, but that's how he feels and keep it moving. I felt like they bashed him. They bashed his points. They bashed uh, his attire. They bashed his playing career like Cam Newton wasn't an MVP. Cam Newton wasn't in the Super Bowl. There's there's players that we revere for being some of the greatest players of all time that has not done half of what Cam Newton has done. And because people disagree with his opinion, that's the that's the key word in this entire thing, his opinion. And I, I, I appreciate and I love what Cam Newton put out. It was like a nine minute video of, of pretty much saying what I said, that this is just his opinion. And people try to discredit him because of his opinion. Now, I'm not going to address people are saying that Cam Newton and these athletes, there's like a war between them and sports analysts because the analysts think that these athletes are going to take their job. I look at it like this. If you're good at something and you know that you bring value to something, you should never be worried about somebody taking your job because you know the value that you bring. And you need to show you show that value. And if you continue to do that, like, for instance, I'm not I'll say one name there to me. There should be nobody. Stephen A. Smith should never feel like somebody is is should take his job because we know the value that Stephen A. Smith brings to. ESPN and honestly we know the value that Stephen A. Smith brings to sports but even in Stephen A. Smith he gives his opinions a lot he gets paid to give his opinions some of them wrong some of them right but all of them are his and you can agree to disagree and that's okay but What's not okay is then discrediting him because you disagree. And that is what we saw with Cam Newton. And that to me is crazy. Because at the end of the day, we all have opinions. Cam Newton just decided to put his on wax. 
And that's okay if you agree or disagree. But let's not act like Cam Newton ain't him or wasn't him. And that's it. That's today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. If you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to grow the channel as much as I can. Please subscribe to the spotify please subscribe to the soundcloud subscribe to the apple podcast wherever you get this podcast please subscribe it definitely 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 means a lot to me and it helps the podcast grow uh, so you know i would appreciate it also follow the socials follow instagram follow tiktok i post pretty much daily that's where you can reach me the fastest that's where you can i mean again keep it respectful it goes back to the last thing, man. I, I understand that a lot of people probably don't agree with what I say, and that is okay. That is perfectly fine. Your life is perfect for you. My life is perfect for me, and my opinion has gotten me to where I am. Your opinion has gotten you to where you are. Both places are perfectly fine. So if you don't agree with what I say, you can leave it in the comments, and that is perfectly okay. We will debate. We will talk about it. Hopefully, we can laugh. Hopefully, you'll change my mind. Hopefully, I'll change your mind. If not, we can agree to disagree. But just keep it respectful. Keep it respectful, please, and everything will be okay. Until next time, much love.